You are Locked On Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of Lockdown Padres Podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Wednesday, August 18th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. You might be familiar with some of my baseball-related work at places like Baseball FYI, Fires on Base, Off the Bench Baseball, or Just Baseball, where I'm a staff writer, do all sorts of cool stuff on there. Be sure to check that out. Or maybe if pop culture entertainment is more down your lane, and especially with the way the the Padres have been playing, uh, that might be what you've been paying more attention to in your life. Uh, You can find my work in those areas at places like Mental Floss, Inverse, Bloody Disgusting, Nerdist, Film Cred, and many more. And hopefully many more to come. But of this year, Lockdown Padres podcast, though, most important part, you can check out and follow Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno. And that's spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, only, 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 if you feel so inclined, you can hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns that you might have. And I'll do my very best to get back to you or even get back to you on the show, which I'm somewhat, it wasn't a question that was sent my way, but it was an interaction that I had that's going to spawn part of today's discussion. Uh, But today's episode, guys, is brought to you by the old Spotify Green Room. Uh, Download the app and join one of our many Locked On rooms on there. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. And also, ladies and gentlemen, today's podcast, we are changing the way we discuss the Padres. No, I'm just kidding. Yet again, we're going to be sad on today's podcast, guys. First, we're going to be talking about last night's game, giving my takeaways from yet another loss by your San Diego Padres, the alleged, alleged Slam Diego Padres, the sham Diego Padres, the fraudres. You might as well call them at this point. And then we're going to be breaking down um, a couple of trades and just that that have had that have happened, some moves that have happened in which players have been going to other teams and performing uh, a lot better lately. And I just wanted to kind of give my thoughts on that really quickly, and then round it up by talking a little bit about Mr. Tatis uh, playing in right field. Just what I think about that because I just realized that I kind of haven't been talking about that. And Brandon Crawford, I want to talk about a little bit at the end. So kind of an action-packed episode, believe it or not. And I'm in a little bit better of a mood. Why? I don't know. I've got this game, Dodgeball Academia, for my Switch, and I was playing that while watching the games today. I was playing that earlier because I finished a lot of my work early, and technically this counts as work a little bit because I do write about video games every now and then for other outlets. Um, And it's just really fun. I'm a big Dodgeball fan, and it's kind of like Dodgeball Cross with school stuff and leveling up. It's like an RPG, and I'm having a lot of fun with it so far. I I, I don't want to say I recommend it just yet because it just came out, but for all my dodgeball fans out there like myself, uh, check it out. But anyway, uh, so maybe that's why I'm in a good mood, but otherwise, the Padres guys, they lose last night's game by a score of 7-3. to Mr. Matt Strom, who I mentioned yesterday... um, that at the time of recording the podcast, I didn't know who the the starter was going to be, so sorry about that. But Matt Strom in this game goes one and a third, giving up one earned run on four hits, walking and striking out one. And what's funny is like that was like not bad, you know what I mean? But basically based off of how the rest of the bullpen would be for the rest of the game, and we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, most of the damage in this game comes from the Rockies, obviously. Charlie Blackman on an infield single, just bottom of the first, already uh, a bunch of runs for the Rockies. Um, well, not a bunch, but they get one run, I guess to say. And then Herman Marquez, through most of this game, through most of the game up until basically the top of the seventh, literally is out hitting the Padres himself. 
That's right, ladies and gentlemen. You heard that right. Herman Marquez, uh, up until that inning, going two for three on the night with two RBIs, including a double. Yeah, and up until that point, uh, the Padres had basically nothing. Nothing. They just didn't have anything. Nothing whatsoever. It was just, I mean, can I end it there? Would you guys mind if I just ended it there? The fact that for a good portion of this game, the opposing pitcher was out hitting us. That's where that's where we're at. Um, but I'm going to keep going. Uh, in fairness, though, Herman Marquez in this game going six and a thirds, giving up three runs, which we'll talk about in a second. Walking one, striking out four. Um, in fairness, heading into this series, if there's any, and I mean, look, I'm reaching, folks. I'm reaching more than that kid in your fantasy draft that drafts the quarterback in the second round. You know what I'm saying? I'm reaching like crazy right now. Uh, is that in, if there was one game that the Padres should have lost against the Rockies, it is a start in which... Uh, Herman Marquez makes. Uh, Herman Marquez is a very good pitcher. I think we all know that. 26 years old, probably the best pitcher they've had in like 20 years. He's really good. But also, we just lost the other day, so you kind of have to win tonight. So again, like I said, I was reaching. I was trying. Um, But those three runs come in the top of the seventh inning in which Tatis hits a home run to deep left center, 460 feet for Tatis. And then Jake Cronenworth hits a home run to deep right center field, but not a typical home run. It is a inside-the-park home run. Home run and then a inside-the-park home run. I wonder when the last time that kind of happened is. I don't think it's like a super-duper-duper rare thing, but it might be. I'm curious. At Sarah Lang Sports, last word on sports, uh, I don't know. I just think it'd be very interesting. You know, when was the last time a team had two back-to-back home runs with one of them being a, uh, inside-the-park home run? And then after that, Tommy Pham hits a, I mean, launches one 480 feet. Again, let's be fair about this for a second. Jake Cronenworth was probably due to the fact that Charlie Blackman is a really bad uh, defensive player. But then for Tommy Pham, look, it's not that he has no power. This isn't like, you know, Nick Madrigal or Adam Frazier levels of power. uh, Low power, I should say. Uh, But still, that one definitely getting carried a little bit in terms of the core is elevation. So that was fun. And all of a sudden, the game is 4-3. And then Tim Hill decides to make an appearance, ladies and gentlemen. Tim Hill in this game shows up and basically... If there was any type of hype, any type of hope that was spawning, uh, Tim Hill comes in and crushes it. He goes uh, uh, one inning, allowing two runs. He gives up a home run. I'm sorry, he allows three runs. Charlie Blackman, home run, uh, which allowed Trevor Story to score, who was already on base. And then a CJ Crone homer, who is the one, of course, that murdered us uh, last night in the walk-off loss. Uh, So that was rough. Any type of hype. Now, here's the thing. If you want to get on Tim Hill, I get it. It is annoying that the bullpen hasn't has had a lot of blown games as of late. You had, you know, on, I think it what was it, on Friday, I believe, when Craig Stammen first out heading into the top of the ninth, he or bottom of the ninth, I should say, uh, he gives up the home run to Dalton Varsho to end the game. And then you have, you know, what happened this, this past night. But in fairness, the bullpen's gassed. The bullpen's gassed. So to a degree, it's like they do have the best bullpen in baseball, but at some point, especially with Drew Pomeranz out, you know, uh, you just got to kind of accept the fact that this is... This just says where we're at. The bullpen's gas. We have no starters. Tomorrow is Jake Arrieta starting at tomorrow's game against Chichi Gonzalez. So if the over-under for that game, guys, is any less than, like, 18, I would bet the over. Um, it's like, it's just, uh, it's rough. It's really rough. The team is completely falling apart. They are 14 and 16 since the All-Star break. Uh, my God. My God. It was another dagger in the back. And I really don't think this team is likely to make the playoffs. I mean, you just look at the remaining schedule. Unless the Padres turn it up, unless people for some reason just go gamer mode and decide to play better, 
against the best teams in baseball, the Giants and the Dodgers, Padres aren't making the playoffs. Like, I'm sorry, guys. At least the Reds are, you know, at least there's something that you can rely upon them. I think one of the other problems with the Padres, and I tweeted this, that they need their own Nestor Cortez. They need their own, you know, Gil. I forgot that guy's uh, first name. It's off, I forgot it off the top of my head. But they need someone like that. No one on the Padres right now, with the exception of Tatis and maybe Manny and a little bit of Jay Cronenworth, is playing above their head. Tatis is arguably actually just playing how he usually plays. Has another home run in this game, like I mentioned. No one is overperforming. It's either underperforming or performing at average. Typically, performing at average isn't bad, just what your expectations are for the player. But given all the injuries, given how poorly they've been playing, we need some overperformers. And we just haven't had any of them. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. Forgive me for this. Yeah, I've been watching some Yankees games. Because their Yankees games have been exciting as hell. Like, I watched the doubleheader with the Red Sox today before the Padres. And I was like, I'm seeing all these guys just contribute. It feels like a team. Not the case with the Padres whatsoever. And it's not looking good. It's not looking good. All the fears that we had early on in the season about not performing against poor teams, they're becoming fully, fully, fully realized. Because at least before, you could argue, hey, it was early. It was early. It was before the All-Star break. It happens. You know, like I said on yesterday's pod, the White Sox, they lose. They've lost to, like, the Mariners a whole bunch of times. They've lost to the Angels. There's, there's, They've lost to some subpar teams this year, too. You know, that happens. But the White Sox aren't falling off a cliff like the Padres are. 14 and 16, guys, since the All-Star break. Is, is it in reach to say this team finishes under 90 wins? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, but before we continue talking about some more Padres stuff, guys, let me just talk to you about the Spotify Greenroom. It is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download. Once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, insiders about your team or sport, whatever you want. I will be hosting rooms for Lockdown Padres all season long, once a week. You can finally join on on the conversation. What I love about it, very easily to access. You know, it's not like, you know, maybe you're a Twitch stream or anything like that. You don't need capture cards. You don't need another microphone. It's just your phone in the app. It's just as easy as that. Uh, and be sure to join me this week, uh, Friday, 10, 10 p.m. Eastern time at the beginning of that game against Philadelphia uh, to, to hang out. Just Padres group therapy session, I guess you could say. That should, that should be uh, something to look forward to, I think. Um, so be sure to do that. Download the free Green Room app, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me on there at Javier Reyes, J-A-V-I-E-R-R-E-Y-E-S, and you'll be notified when I go live. I'll see you there. Spotify Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. And now keeping the momentum going. I don't know why I say momentum. Because momentum's probably not the, the the right word. Keeping the sad train going, I guess you could say, uh, guys. Or keeping the sad machine going, you could say. Shout out Porter Robinson. Good song that I used to play all the time at college for our radio station. Uh, but anyway, let's talk about some trade stuff. Because I, I had an interaction on Twitter talking about the, the fact that Cal Quantrill for the Cleveland Indians has been awesome uh, this year. Uh, how awesome has he been exactly? I'm not like exaggerating. It's not like he's just been solid. No, no, this guy's been like incredibly good for them. One of the better pitchers in the American League uh, for this month, at least, at least you could say. Um, the month of August, he has a 0.95 ERA, and that's the fourth best among MLB starters. So naturally, some people brought this up. 
You know, we did give up Cal Quantrill. Heading into last year, a lot of I actually got some crap, by the way, for saying that it was kind of a make-or-break season for Cal Quantrill. And believe it or not, yeah, I still deserve crap because it turns out it wasn't a make-or-break season. He ends up getting traded to the Indians, doing a lot better. I don't know what it is with Cleveland. I've been reading some stuff on them. And they just know how to create pitchers, man. They they drag those guys and they turn. Tristan McKenzie the other day almost had a perfect game. You know, and that guy's got like a 16% walk rate on the year. So Cleveland just knows what they're doing when it comes to pitching. And I just want to talk about this real quick, just to reiterate what I said on Twitter, which is I don't think that we should. You have to be careful when judging trades in retrospect sometimes. There's some that you can rip in the moment. You can rip the Chris Archer, Austin Meadows, Shane Baz for, you know, and, and also Tyler Glasnow being involved in that trade, right? The famous pirates raise trade. Like, that's an all-time bad trade. And when it happened, it's not like Chris Archer was particularly good. The book was kind of out on him. And also, the Pirates weren't even very good. It's not like they were a, you know, a Dodgers team or they were a, even, heck, even a Phillies team or even even a Yankees or a, a, a Rays, a team that, like, you knew was kind of making the playoffs. The Pirates were, like, fringe 500 Basically, at that point when they made that trade, so that was really silly. But for the most part, you got to be careful with ju- uh, judging these trades. Cal Quantrill, I thought, was okay for the Padres last year. I know that his numbers weren't all that impressive when it comes to kind of the extra stuff. You know, his spin rate, it's not like he was throwing the best, craziest pitches in the world, and especially in a shortened season for the Padres, you know, only pitching 17 innings. I know he had the 2.6 ERA, but it's not like he was exactly freaking me out you know what I mean 20 uh, 18 strikeouts against six walks it's not like he was freaking me out you know what I mean and absolutely just dogging for the Padres although I did think okay they gave him up but they gave him up for Mike Clevenger and here's why I say we got to be careful with judging trades in retrospect because if Mike Clevenger is healthy right now we're not complaining about that that much and as I interact with somebody on Twitter they're like we should have given away Paddock and my thing is like yes it's easy to say that but you also have to give up stuff you know what I mean like if if you're the Indians, if they might be thinking the same thing we are, and they're like, we don't think Chris Paddock is all that good, how about Cal Quantrill? And then maybe if you're AJ Preller, you're like, all right, I still believe in Chris Paddock to get better and to improve a little bit. I don't want to give up, and while I may like Cal Quantrill, I'm willing to do that to give it up for Mike Clevenger as a borderline ace. At least, at minimum, I think like a B-plus starter in the league. I think he's very good, and he's being sorely missed right now. So if Mike Clevenger doesn't go undergo the Tommy John surgery, we're not really complaining about Cal Quantrill being awesome right now, unless this guy turns into Clayton Kershaw, which would be a disaster. Um, it's not great. Then let's look at another trade in retrospect, which is the Blake Snell trade. And look, I'm not going to talk about Snell right now because I'm so sick of talking about Blake Snell. Uh, Good Lord. I mean, we're probably going to see another start from him soon. So we'll probably have plenty to discuss there uh, in this upcoming Philly series. But in terms of that trade, you know, Luis Patino for the Rays has shown his moments. I talked with Ulysses Sembrano last week about this, if you guys want to. Uh, Go look at that in terms of the Patino side of things. But looking back, I still think that the trade in retrospect, because it was for Blake Snell, is justified. However, this I will complain about. This is more of a complaint than I have for the Cal Quantrill thing, because the Pirates basically just shifted a bunch of pieces, you know what I mean, for um, Mike Clevenger. It was kind of like one of those bulk packages, similar to uh, what the Yankees did for Joey Gallo, for example. Like a bulk package, not a one guy that's a super prospect type of thing. Um, And what happened was... They gave up um, Cole Wilcox. Obviously, they gave up Luis Patino in that trade, like I mentioned, and they also gave up uh, Francisco Mejia and Blake Hunt. I don't mind the Blake Hunt thing. It's okay. You have Luis Campizano. I'm not going to freak out about these guys that are teeing off in single A and have potato iPhone video footage, right? I'm not worried about that. And Francisco Mejia, well, I think that he deserved a little bit more of a chance for the Padres. It's okay. They end up getting Nola anyway. It's fine. 
But with Cole Wilcox, I actually had a problem with that because Luis Patino, Mejia, and then Blake Hunt should have been enough, and Wilcox was almost like a throw-in. And I did not like that from the Padres when the trade happened. I was still overjoyed and a little bit too blinded by the fact that they got former Cy Young winner Blake Snell to freak out too much. But still, my thing was you went all in to sign him after the draft. Uh, the 2020 draft, I should say. He was a guy that was expected to not be drafted because people didn't know if they could get him signed because probably could cost much and you probably go back to school. Otherwise, first round talent. So then you end up doing that, and then you and then you just trade him away. I just don't understand why Patino wasn't enough. He's doing great for the Rays. I, I just it feels like you sold way too much for Blake Snell. In my opinion, I think you should have said no. Patino alone should be enough. And Wilcox is a piece. Wilcox is a piece. I really do believe that. Now, we'll see how things progress for him. But that just, to me, is one of those things where you go all in for signing one of this, one of these amateur kids and then you, you throw them in for the package. So that I really didn't like. And that's my bigger criticism of the deal, more than, than the Patino aspect. Believe it or not, Patino does look good. And I, I think he's going to be good, by the way, unfortunately, guys. But that's just my take on it. And then lastly, I want to talk about Jorge Mateo, a guy that the Padres released. Now, here's the thing. I don't mind that the Padres released, dropped to waivers, whatever, uh, Jorge Mateo in a vacuum. I don't mind it because my thing is he really hadn't been performing all that well for the team this year. I mean, 207, 253, 22 slash line across 57 games, barely any power and not walking up to be able to show off his speed. Uh, but as a backup outfielder, you know, it's it's whatever. You release him, that's fine. But then if you're also going to trade, for Jake Marisnik and give up Anderson Espinoza. That I don't get because it's not like Jake Marisnik is that much of an improvement to decide that we should drop Mateo. My thing is like, all right, if your concern is you want an extra backup outfielder, let's just keep running it with Mateo. That's how I feel. Right now with the Baltimore Orioles in 10 games, he's batting 308 with a 325 on base, which isn't great, but 487 slugging, which is very nice with five doubles which is very cool, three stolen bases, so he's clearly done better there. Again, the walk rate is still a problem. He just refuses to walk. I'm not saying this guy's going to be a beast, but my thing is I, I just, I'd just i rather have Jorge Mateo than trade something for Jake Marisnik. That's just how I feel about it. Maybe there's something I'm missing about this, about options and the weird convoluted-ass system that we have when it comes to prospects and dealing them with the minor leaguers, but that's just how I feel about it. That I didn't like either. So that's just kind of my my viewpoint on former guys. I know that some people are starting to wonder. I've seen this on Twitter. seen this actually in The Athletic mentioned a couple times. Uh, seen it mentioned on SI. seen it mentioned on MLB.com. Like, the idea of, like, are the Padres not a good team for developing players? I think that you have to start considering it. Certainly, especially with the way Mackenzie Gore is going right now, it has to be considered because you just keep, I mean, that's the thing with all of baseball, though, where like you keep seeing that teams consistently seem to get the best out of former prospects. You know what I'm saying? At least in my experience. Again, we'll have to see, but we got to be careful. Uh, it's not like all the guys that I just mentioned are confirmed superstars right now. You know what I'm saying? So do you want to give them the benefit of the doubt? But I have to admit, don't understand trading for Jake Marisnik. I understand dropping Mateo, but you should probably just pick up somebody else, you know, just pick up another guy that you like better, but trading Anderson Espinosa. I know he's not like a superstar prospect, but still just, this just felt odd, just felt odd. And now guys, before we get into our last segment, I'm going to talk to you one more time about a couple ads. Firstly, the best tasting protein bars 
in the world, guys. Of course, the Built Bars, you should know them by now, ladies and gentlemen. Obviously, soft and easy to chew, covering 100% chocolate, but best of all, they've got all sorts of flavors from raspberry to cherry barcia to coconut to strawberry to orange to cookies and cream to German chocolate to Rocky Road to strawberry. They've got a bunch of sales going on right now for like all their flavors, including birthday cake, uh, giant boxes that you can get. That one is a very delicious flavor, by the way. Uh, it's really great. They have every type of flavor that you want and all these limited time flavors that pop up here and then. And of course, best Best of all, they are healthy for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180. Pretty good, right? Pretty good. And only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams net carbs. So what are you waiting for, guys? Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Remember that is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. .com. And now, guys, one more thing. Keep it rolling, keep it rolling. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. Get all the latest news, odds, and info, not just for baseball, though, but for all your sporting needs, including MLB, obviously, the NBA, NHL, UFC, MMA action, and the NFL is going to be starting up soon for all my people that are interested in that. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Remember to use that promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, let's keep it rolling after that, guys. Now, last topic, two topics that I want to talk about. Number one, Tatis playing right field. I just realized now that I haven't talked about it. Um, just very odd that I forgot to kind of just give my my take on the podcast when it comes to Tatis playing in the right field, uh, which is just a a thing that we kind of joked about for a while, uh, which is what's funny. We, we've been joking about it all year, and some people who make fun of the Tatis always says future outfielder and all this stuff. And look, in theory, it makes sense where you're like, they say the, the throws are just a little bit easier. Um, I want to point out that I think it's interesting that I was listening to a Yankees game, like I said, because there's so much more exciting to watch. I also watch a little bit of Mets games every now and then. Not that they're exciting, but I just watch the Mets. I don't know. I'm like holding to the end of the days. I'm dying with the ship when it comes to my Mets World Series prediction. I really am. Um, but I was listening to Yankees broadcast and they were talking about Whit Merrifield who said like he actually, at least he said that playing the outfield made him a better second baseman when he transitioned over and obviously became the super utility player. And I found that actually quite interesting. Honestly, that perspective that maybe uh, moving to the outfield for now could help Tatis' defense as a shortstop. I still think that he's a great potentially great shortstop defensively, but this year he'd been awful, and they say, you know, maybe giving him a little bit of a rest, maybe putting him in the outfield is actually going to be easier on him. I do think that the the other side of that is he could make some diving catch at the, you know, on the track, or that wouldn't be a diving catch, but a leaping catch at the, at the track and mess up the shoulder, or more importantly, diving catch, he could really mess up the shoulder. So I imagine that his defense is going to be pretty rough, when it comes to the right field this year, in terms of his range, I imagine that he's. They might have told him to like calm down and not go full out for a ball because him diving for a ball, it's just begging, begging for disaster in my opinion. So we'll see how it pans out. But I just say that, guys. I think that he's going to be like a Myers defensively at best. But in theory, let's pretend the shoulder injury isn't there. I could see Tatis being a good right fielder, super freak athlete. I could see him getting to the ball really fast, and he's got a great cannon of, of an arm. And they say that the throw is actually a little bit easier than the one from shortstop to first base. So, you know, I'm just saying. I don't think it's the worst idea ever. We'll see how it pans out. I'm going to miss when Myers has his bat in the lineup. I just think it's going to be unfortunate 
that we're going to have to see Eric Hosmer continue, one of the worst contract uh, players in terms of his contract in baseball uh, right now, which is which is really rough. And then Myers is going to sit, who's not like all that much significantly, significantly better. But from the offensive point of view, he has been better this year uh, for the most part, which is, I mean, that says a lot because not like Will Myers has been an all-star this year. So that's really frustrating. But again, we'll have to see how it pans out. It's the only somewhat interesting thing about the Padres right now is Fernando Tatis Jr. And the next thing I want to talk about, last thing for the pod, is Brandon Crawford, who since the beginning of July, ladies and gentlemen, is batting 427 with a 455 on base and a 600 slugging percentage. Is Brandon Crawford a name that we need to toss into the MVP? Now, first of all, I will say one thing. I really enjoyed everybody kind of, after Tatis hits his two home runs in Sunday's game, just kind of jumping off the bandwagon. You know what I'm saying? Like They just kind of abandoned their take on uh, Bryce Harper being the MVP. I think it was adorable. I mentioned already on the pod that I was like, why are we acting like Harper also didn't miss significant time? I know he's played more, but like, why aren't we acting like that? It's just very weird to me. The case for Brandon Crawford, I think, is fascinating. Great glove on the best team in baseball. And his numbers are awesome, obviously. Just the statistical numbers are awesome. One of the best shortstops in the game. Um, Consistent player. He's played basically all the games. But here's my biggest thing for him. The fact that this came truly out of nowhere, ladies and gentlemen, that would be one of my things. And I love stories, as you guys know, when it comes to the MVP. You know, I love when we bring into it a little bit more than just being like, his WRC plus was higher. His defensive's ultimate zone rating was better and defensive runs saved. Oh, also, also his hard hit rate was like, I like it when we do something besides just looking at stats because it almost makes it seem like you didn't even have to watch the game like whatsoever this year. Right. But there's been a magic to the Giants this year. And what I love about it is that Brandon Crawford has never done anything even close to his level of production before. His highest on-base percentage mark of his career, of his career, is 342, which is solid, by the way, back in 2016. His second highest was 324, or I'm sorry, 326, actually, last year. But before that, in a more full season, back in 2014, it was 324. Even more impressively, the highest slugging percentage of his career, 465 last year, but aside from that, 462 in 2015. This year, he has 19 home runs. His career high is 21. He's probably going to pass that. I think it should be considered. And I think it should be considered given that he's so much older now, right? I think this is truly one of the most genuinely unexpected turns. Because this isn't, you could even say like Evan Longoria for the Giants this year. I know he hasn't played a lot, but Evan Longoria for the Giants this year, who's definitely been much improved and whatnot after looking like a liability the past couple years. I don't know what the hitting coaches are doing over in San Francisco, but whatever they're doing, however they taught the players to work, whatever's going on over there is obviously just paying dividends. But I must say like Evan Longoria, like he's been a superstar before when it comes to offense. You know what I mean? So seeing him back isn't. It's still shocking, but it's not like, you know, it's like we've never we've never seen anything like this from Brandon Crawford. He's never hit above like 275 in his career. Never hit above 275. That was the, the highest batting average of his career was 2016. Now all of a sudden he's walking all the time. He's got 371 on base and he's slugging the heck out of the ball. Slugging the heck out of the ball. So while I still think Tatis should be the front runner, personally, I I understand that the the Brandon Crawford narrative. Brandon Crawford. Nick Castellanos, Jesse Winker, the guys of the Reds, let's not forget the Reds. And then Tatis, Bryce Harper, Brandon Crawford. I think it's a much more interesting MVP race as opposed to the American League, which I think Vlad Jr. is just, it's a tough beat for our guy. 
Vlad Jr. Like, bottom line is, unless Otani craters, the dude's doing two things. He's a top 20 pitcher and leads the league in home runs. I'm sorry. I don't care what Vlad Jr. does. This has never been done in the history of the game. You give it to Otani. Although, those two players are great. It's it's an awesome two kind of horse race, even though it's really not a race anymore, in my opinion. Sorry. Sorry, Vlad. But then with the National League, much more interesting race. Much more interesting race. And I, I hate to say it, but Tatis potentially winning the MVP at this point might be the only interesting thing in terms of the Padres and the only hope uh, of, of, of a bright spot for the rest of the season. That's how bad it's gotten. But anyway, that's just my quick take on all that. We'll see how that all progresses because this all can change within a week. Who knows? Manny Machado get five home runs in six games and all of a sudden we're talking about him more, right? So we'll see what happens there. But guys, before we wrap up today's podcast, let me just talk to you about a really good podcast, guys. Betting on the Padres doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you listen to the new Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast Brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts. Guys, I know that I had initially stated that uh, today's podcast was going to be talking with Millard of Lockdown Dimebacks. It's actually going to be for tomorrow's podcast because I had to fill in uh, some time. So tomorrow's podcast is going to be recapping the early game in which Jake Arietta will be making his debut for the Padres. And then the back end of it will be talking with Millard. And then Friday's podcast will be a whole big old, big old junkie boy discussion for this weekend's Philadelphia Phillies series, which I think should be really fun with Locked On uh, Phillies host Dan Wilson, just because he's going to be completely different than what he has dejected self that he was last time. And I'm looking forward to it because I think the Phillies have an interesting team. And you know we're going to talk about Tatis versus Harper for MVP. It's going to be a lot of fun. So while the Padres are miserable, I hope I'm at least entertaining you guys. I hope. You know, if I'm not, let me know. Uh, Of course, you guys know I'm fully open to being roasted. But uh, yeah, hopefully during these dark times for the Padres fans, I feel like Logan, I feel like Wolverine at the end of Logan just being like, so this is what it feels like. You know, when it comes to the Padres being bad and just be kind of a, a joke of a team uh, right now, which is what I imagine a lot of my other lockdown hosts, shout out Bryce Paterick of Lockdown Rangers, Ethan Smith, uh, Lockdown Pirates, like all those guys must be consistently feeling like their team is a joke. And the Padres are, like I said, no longer a tragedy, but a comedy. That's what's going on with the San Diego Padres right now until further notice. But that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, guys. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, Overcast, wherever. Send me some five-star reviews on the Apple Podcast app if you don't mind. And if you do, if you send a question in the review description section, it is guaranteed to be answered on the show. Because I like bribing people for five-star reviews. I am not above it. Follow the show or myself on Twitter. And until next time, stay safe and, of course, stay faithful. My fire faithful homies, take care.